If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Please remember, these episodes are considered for mature audiences only. There is some language and some mature discussion. So here's a list of funny topics, and I want you to tell me which one is the funniest okay. for us to start this episode off yeah. with. Okay. Yeah, go, go okay. Yeah. Mario. Oh, all right. Socks. Uh-huh. Pregnancy. Yeah. Pregnancy, pregnancy is obviously wins. the funniest. The, the funniest one? Okay. Yeah. Do you think anyone would disagree, or...? <laughs> I think half the world will disagree. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just saying... Listen, I, we're on episode 51. At this point, we've, we've checked lasted, out. So we've lasted this long. I mean... We haven't canceled ourselves. This yet. is very true. This is very true. The fact that we're still on the air is uh, is absolutely amazing. Oh yeah. So good for us. Oh great. For good us. for us. Will you want to talk into your microphone? Yes. 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 Because you're over there turning your head. I, I know. I'm just looking at my laptop. All right. We're good. We're good. You good? Oh, we're great. All right. Anyway. What are we doing? Hey, it's How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the Ocean Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. It's time for the first episode of January in the year 2020. So it's the first episode of January, the first episode Mm -hmm. of the year, the first episode of the decade. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, hope you all survived. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I remember what it was. The champagne's not Corbell. You don't get that, do you? I don't get it. Okay. What's that from? Within the last 30 years, there was a um, there was an ad for Corbell Champagne. Okay. And the, the ad was, it was New Year's Eve, and the ball started dropping, and you started hearing people count down. 10, 9, 8, 7. And as it started to approach, by the time it got to like number three, mm-hmm. uh, someone shouted, the champagne's not Corbell. And everyone stops. And then the ball starts going back up again, and they start going four, five, six, <laughs> seven, and they and they just wait, and then they got to change out the champagne. So champagne them. makes it capable for people to, or lack thereof, makes it capable for people to travel back in time. I was going to say champagne is what allows uh, time to move forward. Right, but so, because they didn't have. Well, that could have just been like some sort of freak thing that they were able to use. Maybe Jesus was there controlling it. I don't know. Hmm. You know? Interesting. We'll have to but, do some tests. Yeah. Let's have some people look into it. Anywho, yeah. uh, how you play the game, that's what we're doing right now. That's right. right. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, as always, you can catch us on the interwebs at osipfoundation.org. The email address is podcast at osipfoundation.org. Social media, www.facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram, both at osipfoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. On the love seat to my right, the producer engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Happy New Year, Sean. Happy New Year, Jack. Thank you. On the love seat. On the lo- that is technically a love seat. It is. I'm not saying that's right. Okay, I'm just two people go on. It. I am using the technical terminology here. I'm not trying to infer anything. Okay, I'm just trying. And you're on the Ottoman. I am on the Ottoman Empire over here. Yes, that's it. Okay, <laughs> because the kitchen table is full of cookies and gifts and a bag from Home Depot. For the stuff we needed to repaint the bathroom, cannot be moved. No, I like no. doing it in here. You're gonna you're gonna take that and you're going to 
isolate just that one clip and use it as a drop, aren't you? So that randomly on your phone, you could hit that and you, we can hear you say, I like doing it in here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm going to add reverb and yeah. it's going to be great. It's going to be it's going to be great. Let me tell you. All right. Um, so let's just jump right into it. We got sure. just, just two quick things I think we really want to touch on today mm-hmm. uh, so that everyone can kind of enjoy their their vacation still as they as what's left of it by the time this episode comes I mean, out. I'm wearing sweatpants. You're already checked out like George Costanza, basically. Yeah. Um, so the two things I wanted to touch on. First, there was an article I saw. Uh, this came from Canada, of all places. Which oh, wow, is, okay. You know, I, I know that Canada's not even real, so... But... Uh, it's there somewhere. Is it there somewhere? It okay. is. I've been there. You, Congratulations. Yeah, it's a beautiful country. Yeah. It's, it is. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's very clean. It's... A little cooler, well, obviously, but it's nice. So there was a there was a uh, an act of sportsmanship, of good sportsmanship that was on display in Canada during a uh, a boys ice hockey game, uh, <clears throat> okay. a high school level hockey game. Yep. Uh, what happened was um, the visiting Southern Victoria High School Vikings were up against the St. Stephen Spartans, but uh, the uh, the home team, which were the Spartans, had a major disadvantage. They had no goalie. Their goaltender was lost to injury. And uh, the uh, head coach, Don McCallum, asked uh, senior uh, Davin Cloney. Uh, actually, no, Cloney volunteered to strap on the pads and, and get into goal. And it was his first attempt, and it was a, it was a tough one. And uh, he's, he's normally a defenseman. Uh, not trained in it at all, and it didn't go very well. At the end of the first period, um, what ended up happening was Vikings goaltender T.J. Sullivan didn't join his team heading off the ice after the first period. Instead, he st- he skated to the other goal and took a knee next to Cloney and shared some pointers. And wow, yeah, he he basically said you know said screw it, I got to go over there and help this guy. And there's a nice picture on the on the, the article of the two of them sitting there with one of the referees, um, you know, all of them just hanging out and, and talking and whatnot. Um, the, at the, uh, let me see here, uh, drew cheers from, uh, from the crowd. Um, every time Davin made a save, TJ at the other end was slapping his stick, encouraging him, like, like cheering him on and whatnot. That's fantastic. The final score was 11, nothing in favor of the visitors, but, the fact that uh, you know this kid went over and understood the situation and was and and took the time to encourage uh, you know this this novice goaltender who was doing it because you know they didn't have the the one guy they needed mm-hmm. um, was a was a pretty big pretty big thing. I mean, kudos to what Cloney. Cloney was the, yeah was the, the guy kid who who, who was, was attempting to, yeah uh-huh. kudos to him for. He volunteered, right? Yep. So for going to a position he's never been in before. Right. And attempting to make it a learning experience. And then also kudos to the other team's goaltender. Sullivan, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. No. It it also shows his his keen sense of observation. Yeah. Which you wouldn't, you know. Again, the only way you know, the only thing I can speak to that is that, you know, obviously in this day and age. 
the the world is so much smaller with things like social media and whatnot. So, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, you might not know anything about your high school opponent, you know, who was on the team. Oh, right? yeah, but, I know, guess they got, maybe these, they got info beforehand. Yeah, but, th- but these days, <clears throat> you know, kids from school A know all the kids from school B, yeah. you know, on, on, on the, those teams and whatnot. They, they say they, they were rivals or? I mean, they were, they were opponents. I don't know if they were oh. major rivals or okay. not, but, um, you know, so he could have known in advance. Right. But uh, still there was, there, there was, like you said, you know, maybe you know, the keen sense of observation then went into uh, kind of an overdrive in understanding that there's, there's an opportunity here for me to, uh, you know, do something good here, you know, to, to, to rather than just sit back and just do my job, mm-hmm. you know, he took it upon himself to realize that rather than just sit back and let this happen, he wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, the other, the other goaltender knew what, you know, what kind of support he had and whatnot. Was Cloney receptive to the instruction? It looks like it was, like he was, um, because I know that, you know, in, in certain sports, in, in certain circumstances, that kind of a thing doesn't always, it, it almost looks like you're patronizing them or that you're, uh, you know, you're showing off your own skill. You know, you're the uh, what could be a simple act to help somebody comes off as uh, belittling them. You know, yeah, it's all about interpretation. I think what makes the difference here is that goaltenders kind of have their own guild, if you will, their own secret society. Mm. You know. Um, it's 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 a fraternity in a certain way, to be to be a goaltender, to be a goalie, um, in the same way that it is to be an official, you know. Um, so when you see someone struggling like that, when there's only two of you out there, right? Um, you know, it it, it kind of dawns on you to think maybe I need to take some action here or do something or something like that, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, in baseball, by contrast, you know, uh, if a pitcher can't find the strike zone and there's nobody else, you know, you, you know, you don't go out there and try and help the pitcher out. Yeah. You know, you, what you do is, you know, the, the classy thing to do is to call off the dogs and to realize that, you know, this, this pitcher is obviously struggling and, I need, you know, we need to play this game, but it doesn't need to be done in a way that embarrasses him, you know? So, it, you know, transitioning back to hockey, obviously the, the skaters on the ice know that they have to play this game and that uh, they've got to, you know, take shots on goal. Yeah. You know, they got to try and put the puck in the net. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that... Uh, you know, it can't be done in a, you know, there's something couldn't be done to be encouraging. Right. And, you know? and it can be, it can be done in a graceful way. Right. You know, you're, you're in a, like you said in the, at the very beginning, um, the, uh, St. Stevens. Yeah. Was that the disadvantage? It was. Which, which or Victorian. St. Uh, Stephen, uh, had, uh, had no, had no goalie. So, yeah, you said that in the beginning that St. Stevens was at the disadvantage and um 
you know, it just, again, this comes to using your best judgment. Right. You know, I think that in a way, um, I I don't know how hockey works in terms of leadership roles on the team, but I know that a catcher is sort of the de facto captain. Right. Of the team, I don't know if that's the hockey what, has captains and assistant captains. I don't know if that's the way it is with goalies, right? Specifically, um, <clears throat> I know that in football, not American football, soccer but, football, but everywhere yeah. else in the world, football, uh, the goalie is um, at least when I played soccer when I was little, the goalie was sort of the de facto leader of the team. I think that there's an element <clears throat> of that. You know, to a certain degree. I mean, I'm I'm sure the center forward uh, also has right, obviously a say <clears throat> offensively. But I know that w- I know that when I was playing soccer, the goalie had a big say right in in what happened. But um, I think I think the um, Sullivan, mm-hmm. the guy who helped out, yeah, uh, Cloney, maybe said to his teammates, hey, let's take it easy on this guy. Maybe we had to play the game, but right. let's not... Score could have been let, already pretty high after the first period. Let's, you know? Right. Let's, let's, let's just have some... Let's just take right. it easy. I, and I'm sure they kind of also knew, like, okay, if, you know, if it gets closer, obviously we've got to turn the Jets back on, you know? But uh, it would be, you know what it would be, be like in, in a sport like baseball? It would be something like, um, you know, pitcher walks off the mound... And and doesn't have or something like that, and another pitcher or anybody from the other team going up to to the kid in between innings or something like that, and just saying, "Hey, listen, you're gonna you're gonna be fine, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, just you know, don't don't worry about it, you know." I, like I can almost envision something where you know, even a runner on base who you know, guy runners on first base and time is called by the coach comes out to talk to the pitcher, the first baseman and the catcher go in for the conference. And the first baseman comes back and says, yeah, he's rattled. He's, he's suffering from some severe anxiety or something like that. And the, the base runner then requests time himself and goes up to the pitcher before mm. play resumes and says, I know you're suffering from anxiety. I want you to know you're not alone. You know, mm. we all, you know, just, just, you know, know that, you know, even though we're opponents out here, we've, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we've got each other's back. So, right. you know, do your thing. You know, some, and the way players are traded, and I mean, you play on one team one year, and you go to another team another year. I mean, you're always. I mean, the fraternity of of players in any professional sport is bigger than the the subcategory of each roster. You know, um, right. all all baseball players know each other because they're all fighting for the same thing and that's mm-hmm. to be you know a professional ball player as opposed to you know club a and club b being mortal enemies as a result of that um and that's the same thing in hockey and in football and in basketball i mean they're mm-hmm. all they're all part of a union that although they might be on different rosters with different uniforms in different cities that doesn't mean and they, although they might be competing with each other that doesn't mean that um they're real life opponents. Right. You know, so, and, you know, and I think there's also a kind of an understanding in that a lot of this stuff doesn't occur during normal gameplay. You know, th- this type of support in the article occurred uh, in, during an intermission. 
mm-hmm. after the first period. So, again, you're, you're looking at things where people can kind of support one another, even from opposing sides, during a stoppage in play. Right. You know, that's that that I think is the other thing, because there is kind of that unwritten rule that, you know, while play is happening, you obviously, you know, kind of have a there's a gentleman's code to how things are mm-hmm. done, you know, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, so so I, w- I would even say kudos to these guys here because they realized that uh this was an opportunity, you know, to do something while play was stopped. It was mm-hmm. specifically during an intermission, It'd be like doing something during halftime or, right. you know, in between innings or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, um, you know, rather than almost patronizing them and, and in, a, in a weird way demeaning them by trying to help them mm-hmm. in the middle of the game. I'd say the only exception to that would be like, the, you know, the images of marathon runners you know, collapsing right before the yeah. finish line and yeah. the other person kind of help them. Yeah, turns around and helps that. them yeah. up. Or, or you know, the, the softball player that injured her ankle stepping on first base and, you know, the rest of the other team helps her. You know, I think that, I mean, there's almost no room for patronizing at that point because you're the act itself. I think in both of those situations that you mentioned, though, and I, and I don't disagree with you at all, uh, a serious injury occurred so to speak you know right so so when an injury occurs that negates the 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 these these guidelines that we've just yeah, kind of created true. you know if it's a if it's a performance issue mm-hmm. then maybe it's taken care of at a different time but if a serious injury occurs yeah, you know you true. kind of spring into action and you're like no i have to do what's right here you know yeah i mean either way though they are I mean, it's not like these are rules that have to be followed. They're just right. kind of, it just they're just kind of observations as to uh, something like this occurring. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't see it every day. No, you know, you, when when this type of a thing happens, you you know, you, you your your eyes light up a little bit, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is th- this this is what the world needs more of. Right. You know. So I just wanted to highlight that um, since that came across good my for them. desk. Yeah. So very very good for them. Um, you know, and, and I hope that you know a story like that can can, can find its way across the the interwebs. Mm-hmm. You know, and across the border. Uh, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> we all know Canadians to be so polite anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, um, here's another thing I wanted to run by you real quick. Yes, I wanted to throw this philosophical thing at you. Oh, here we go. All right, philosophy. Yeah. So I got an email a couple of weeks ago. Um from the commissioner of the adult baseball league in which I play. Okay. All right. Uh, administrative email. It's going out to everybody. They're just, you know, looking at the 2020 season and this, that, the other. And they decided to raise the umpire fees. Okay. Fine. You know, it's, it, it, this happens regularly, you know, so... This league you play for? This is the league that I play in. Okay. So, so basically, the cost that e- that the team is or each team has to pay to pay for the umpires is going to go up, which is fine. As an umpire myself, I mean, we're all we're all for this, mm-hmm. you know. So, we're that's all fine. <clears throat> um, in writing the email, though, the commissioner 
had to had to basically kind of convince those who were receiving this, or at least I felt like that was the tact he was taking, by saying things like, umpires are a necessary evil of the game. And I thought to myself, like, does this guy not know that I'm an umpire? Do you have the email? Uh, I don't know if I do, but... I'll, I'm just tr- for the purposes. Of I mean, I'm not going to read it out loud, no, but, but I'll, I'll show it to you after if okay. I can find it. Okay, because okay. I might it, I I might have deleted it and okay. you know, um, but it was it was upon retrospect, it was it was kind of obvious to a certain degree that there was kind of a political pandering done there because you know that the majority of people receiving that email are players only and not umpires and don't understand what goes into the game. So in order to get them to accept these new terms, he had to come off like saying like, yeah, I side with you guys, you know, but it is what it is and we got to go along with it. That doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that's kind of what I, the kind of a sense that I got. Um, but did it feel almost instinctual that he did that? That was the other part of it. Was that this guy himself probably also is? Was he an umpire? No. Okay. No, he's not. Um, and and I and to and so I actually responded to him by saying like not for nothing, but as the as a 14-year veteran of, of officiating and the new president of our local umpire chapter, might might not be the best thing in the world to be sending these emails out saying that umpires are necessary evils. Did he say that? Did he did he actually say necessary evil? Yes, necessary evil is a, is a direct quote. And his response was just a giant ha 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 ha. Like, I again, it's over email, so I don't know if he thought I was joking or what. But right. I was, I was genuinely like, I can't, I, I can't follow up on this because I'm going to weave a web here that's going to be more and more awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's best right now if I just kind of let this go. But that doesn't mean that I can't talk about it later because I think it's a prime example of something that we need to discuss. Because the, 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 the mindset that officials are necessary evils right. in, in, in sports is this antiquated stereotype that hinders the way we look at other people and, and society in general. We are looking at authority figures as the problem. And I'll be the first to tell you that I don't think that authority figures, you know, like, listen, we all know the stereotypes of authority figures. We all know, we've all had run-ins with cops before where you just want to be mm-hmm. like, will you, will you stop being a jerk? Stop, mm-hmm. stop throwing your weight around as a cop because you feel like your ego needs to be satisfied or something like that. Like, we've all been there, mm-hmm. you know, okay? Um, officials, there are officials who are like that. 
And I've said that on numerous occasions before, that there are officials who officiate because their ego needs to be satisfied. They validate, they, they validate themselves mm-hmm. by, by officiating. Um, well, they make the game about them, right? Right, exactly. But as a result of that, it is so easy for non-officials to accuse officials of doing that. Right, so okay. impugning an entire group of exactly. people. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a, a couple, type of racism. A couple of bad if you apples. Will. It's, a t- it's, a type, it's a stereotype of once somebody puts on the stripes, once they put on the blue, once they put on the, strap on the gear, they're automatically part of that quote-unquote ethnicity that we can judge. I'm using these terms lightly as you're cracking up over here. I'm sorry. I know, but I mean, I really... Bias. Yeah. <laughs> it's bias. Yes. It's not racist. <laughs> But I get what you're saying. I see, but I see it. See, I see it as a type of racism because, again, I know you're laughing. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I see it that way because we are judging people based on the color of their uniform. Basically, it's not the color of their skin. Okay, it is. A, it's a stereotype. It's a bias. Right. Okay. But officials get to choose to put on the uniform. This is true. That's the difference, right? I, and that's why I'm not saying it's exact. <laughs> but there is a there is a bias against officials. But the, the mentality is there is a comparison. Yes, I see what you're saying. Yes, and so it just it just irked me to no end that this is this is what's what's happening. Did anyone else respond to that email? No, because it was like a blind carbon copy. So, okay. so if anyone did, I, I would has anyone say, has anyone else said anything about it? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, um, but I was, you know, I mean, and then the other question I have is: Are there any other officials that also play in the league? <sighs> That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. There were, but even those people sometimes I think were not truly officials. Like you know, I remember playing with one guy who, great guy. Very good official, very good ball player. When he would officiate, he would be a great official. But when he was a ball player, he would still argue with officials. And I wanted to be, I just wanted to say, hey, you're an umpire now. Okay? You don't get to be that way anymore. Mm -hmm. You have to set the example. You don't get to go back and forth like that. Right. Okay? Once you step into this world, you are, you know, it's like taking the taking the the blue pill or the red pill, right. you know, in the Matrix, you uh-huh. know, and you you can't go back. There's no going back. Right. Um, everybody should be in this world, but you know, I also look at it this way too: officials as necessary evils mm-hmm. in society. A perfect society would a perfect society need police officers? Probably not, right? No. You know, so in a in a in a perfect athletic competition, an arbiter, an arbitrary third party meant to render decisions would not always be necessary. Mm-hmm. So if if he's saying it from the standpoint of necessary evil in that He's we, just furthering the need right. for umpires. Exactly. So, so if you're saying it because we're all imperfect and, and we aren't honest enough to, un, to know truly what the right call is in certain circumstances, that we can't self-govern, okay, I get it. That being said, 
necessary evil might not have been the best terminology. Right. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying to play devil's well, advocate, especially here. well, especially since considering the role he's in as commissioner. Right. He needs to be an advocate for all parties here. Mm-hmm. He can't. He can't be uh, alienating the officials that he wants to work for him. Right. And then is was it his decision to up the rates? I think that was a negotiated thing with the umpires that he contracts. Which which is fine. I mean that that to me is fine. Well that's boilerplate stuff. Right. Right. Exactly. That, that makes I mean that makes sense. But I mean it almost makes you think I mean he almost plays his hand in a way where 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 it's like maybe we know he was against it. Right. By saying something like that. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I mean, that it's, whether it's, he was against it or not, I guess it, it doesn't hold any bearing. But the fact that he's saying, actively saying necessary evil sorts of, <clears throat> sort of puts him in a negative light. If I was an official in the union that was charged with officiating his games and I heard that, I would not want to officiate for him because that to me says you have no respect for me, Mm. you know? So you're, you're doing a disservice from a customer service standpoint in that now you're making it even harder on yourself to, you know, to, 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 um, to attract umpires, you know, when they're already in such short supply. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's just, it's, I think the message here is, I think the moral of this story is not just choose your words carefully. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm-hmm. But that there needs to be you know, a self-critique and examination so that we understand how we view people in positions of authority, regardless of the context. It does, you know doesn't come off as so so negative you know right and it almost comes back to the whole thing would do can we separate the the job from the person right you know i'm sure you know officials that are terrible people yeah but that are great at doing their job and or vice versa. <laughs> but Great the point, people who are terrible officials. Right. You know, so like, I mean, has this guy said stuff before that that sort of slanders, not, I mean, indirectly slanders? I, I, I can't recall a situation with regard to officials. The best that I can say is that when you, when you, you know. I mean, is he, a, otherwise, is he, a, is he an okay guy? It seems that way. But, if you if you pull the lens back and you look at the operations that he's running, mm-hmm. okay, an incident like this does not bode well because it, it 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 for his job for his job because it, right that's it, what, what it, I'm saying. What it does is it it has the potential to color other gray incidents in, in, in away from his favor. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's another conflict that has nothing to do with officials, um, you know, you could point to this type of a of, of an incident and say, well, this is kind of par for the course with this guy because he, he, he does this type of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas if he were to fight for the officials and whatnot, and then something like that were to happen, you might be influenced to say, no, this, you know, this guy, you know, is, is okay. I can't believe that somebody else would do this to him. You know, these types of things have, have those types of domino effects. But aren't you supposed to be relatively neutral as, as a commissioner? Com- oh, of course. I mean, you, you have to, I mean, you can't really necessarily side with. Well, remember also that this is a commissioner who also plays in the league. So he's not just he's just not a commissioner of the league, but he's also a player on a team in the league. Hmm. You know, I mean, a commissioner that seasons it a little bit differently. But look at it this way: look at a commissioner of any of the major professional sports. Their job is to be the union head for the owners of the team, not for the players. You know, they op- they operate as you know the uh, you know the office of the sport. And, you know, and the officials and the players and all those, you know, those are separate unions that are, that interact with that office, mm-hmm. you know? So. It's an interesting, interesting hierarchy. Yeah. I, and I'm sure it works differently with local sports. Right. You know, if you're an active player, but also a commissioner. I mean, like, you know, how, what, like, what if something, now, this is sort of, I guess, we're branching off a little bit here, but let me toss the situation at you. Okay. What if there was a legal issue regarding a, an umpire versus a team, let's say, okay. or, or a coach of a team? I mean, does the commissioner does can the commissioner act as a coach? Can the can the commissioner not? I mean, like, I, okay, let me take it a step back. Can the commissioner be a coach? Is he allowed to be a coach? I think that from what I have seen in the past, um, just going off of my experience, a lot of these leagues have commissioners or t- or league presidents or people like that. They, they allow them to volunteer as regular coaches. They don't necessarily prefer them to be head coaches of teams. Okay, so if you're the, if you're the president of the local Babe Ruth League, mm-hmm. okay, and your son is playing in that, in that league, it's preferred that if you want to coach your kid, you can volunteer to be an assistant coach for that team, but you should not be the head coach, the manager of that team, unless they are they cannot find volunteers whatsoever. You know, it's a conflict of interest and stuff like that. Now, can an umpire be a commissioner? And has that ever happened? Well, I would look at it this way. Um, officials work for these leagues and, and and are governing people. So it would make sense that an official like that could serve in that role. Um, I mean, I, I serve as the president of my local umpire chapter. Right. Okay. And I'm an active umpire as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I oversee the operations of our chapter, not necessarily of the league, Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
But I know that, for example, there there has been the debate in Major League Baseball that Joe Torre, who is the chief baseball operator and is the guy at the top of the chain of command when it comes to umpires, and many people have said that that position needs to be filled by a former umpire. You know, it's not sense. it's not fair that a former player and manager oversees the umpires. So. You know, so so, where do we you know on which side are we right. falling here? You yeah, know? and so I guess my my, I guess the crooks of the matter is if like let's say there was an, a legal issue between the commissioner who is either a player or an assistant coach, let's say, of a team and an umpire, he would have to deal with that as the assistant coach, the player. And the commissioner, or would he have to hand that job off to like an assistant or associate commissioner or I would, something? I would not be surprised. Would he have to recuse himself right. from the process? There would probably have to be some sort of, of of recusing done in some way, shape, or form. I'm not going to even pretend to be a legal expert here, but it would not surprise me that something like that would have to have to occur in order to uh, allow for no conflict of interest to exist. Right. So that's, so I guess that brings me to my next question is like, what if it's just a bad call on the umpires for the, um, or what they perceive to be a bad call or what the commissioner acting as the manager or assistant manager or assistant coach perceives as a bad call. He's arguing with the guy that he's hiring. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that, I, that, listen. that, listen, that, that just bodes. That just not does not bode well let for me, me. At least I, I got I got to open another can of worms for you here. And you get what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Okay, because in that same in the same league, because my team is so far south from where most of these teams operate, mm-hmm. the commissioner has tasked me with getting my own umpires, basically. Now, I have an advantage because I know many umpires. But when I need umpires for my games, the league does not send them. I have to assign my own umpires. So you're an assigner. I end up or- assigning my own umpires from that, you know, based upon who's available. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, and I'm not saying this to be egotistical or toot my own horn, rarely will I argue with an umpire, okay, because I am one. As a player? As a player or as a coach. Okay, I, 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 I know for a fact that I will not, if I have a disagreement with an umpire, any disagreement will be handled properly. Okay, uh, person to person, friend to friend, colleague to colleague, however you want to do mm-hmm. it. Okay. Um, but at the same time, I also have the ability then to say, I just won't call this guy. To work for my games, but you wouldn't do that, though. If I would, I, I would prefer not to do that. Right? Okay. I mean that. I would only do that in a dire circumstance where someone, like I was stuck, someone recommended an umpire to me, and I had to call him and put him on the game. And I, in doing that, I realized this guy does not belong here. Like it has nothing to do with uh, a disagreement that I may have had, but where I saw, like, wow, this person is severely overmatched and should not be on the field with me. This person does not cannot handle this, period. Okay. The commissioner in question here, though, 
in the example that you gave, could easily do that with no officiating experience and just say, I didn't like that call. You're not coming to any more of my games. And we have that same ability in our local high schools. Okay? We, mm. have, we have a clause in our agreement that basically allows schools to ban, or as we call it, non-prefer, umpires from working their schools. And there are high schools in our area that are notorious for that. And we have had to say in the last couple of years to these schools, your head coaches are banning umpires because there was a judgment call that the coach didn't like. And because it didn't go in his favor, he has banned that umpire from working that school. And that is ridiculous. That's okay. crazy. The flip side is that we have the exact same How ability. How do people get jobs? <laughs> we have the exact same ability as umpires. If we if you know we as umpires have the ability to say this coach is nuts, I'm not working a game for this coach. I'm not subjecting myself to that. Mm-hmm. And we can block those coaches. And if they don't have umpires, they can't and that's have a game. Where, and that's why we had to have this, this talk where we had to say to some of these schools, listen, there's a reason you're seeing the same three guys over and over again. It's because nobody wants to work for you. And that's and, and it's time to start saying Sorry. Sorry. You know, start, start saying maybe it's not a problem with the umpires, maybe it's a problem with me. Yeah. You know? I find it hard to believe that 60 umpires all could blow calls to the point where they get banned from this this particular right. school. You know? That I I, I don't think that's possible. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but I just don't think it's happening. Yeah. You know? That that then is a reflection on the coach. Mm-hmm. Not on, because how many calls can they get wrong? Exactly. I mean, you come on. And even if an umpire has a bad day where he's blowing calls left and right, the next day there's a different umpire in there. Or there's more than one working yeah. a game, right? There's two. There's a minute. We we always have two umpires on a varsity so game. So if one, they're not both blowing calls. Blowing they're not. Calls they they the didn't meet time. behind the school before the game, saying we're gonna, <laughs> you know, do everything we can to screw this guy. Right. You know. That so, is so. That's that's kind of nuts. How a commissioner can prevent an umpire now? Now at at the at the I don't want to say school level, but or at the high school level, no, but scholastic at, level, but 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 at the, but outside of that, like in a volunteer, level. Rec, that's it. Words <laughs> uh, at the recreational level can umpires request not to officiate oh yeah okay yeah so it could work it works at that level yeah it works well. it works all different i mean okay. because there's no you have to remember that the overwhelming majority of officiating done is done through uh either a nonprofit or independent contractor status so there's no um employee statute overseeing this stuff because you you can work for different leagues you can work at different <laughs> sites you know you're not you know so you need to get your own insurance and we right your, we exactly or so, does the umpires association have an insurance the, like an umbrella policy yeah the way that that works for for me and for us is that if you are registered uh as a certified 
high school official with the state of New Jersey. You the are, NJ, with the NJSIAA. Yeah. You receive you you basically are covered on the umbrella policy that covers you as an official and that allows you to officiate any game anywhere in that sport for that year. So as a certified baseball official for the state, I can work any baseball game anywhere and that policy covers me. So, I, so college level? Right. Well, again, if I were to be a college umpire, then, and then yeah, and, and all the way down to Little, little League. Little League, really? Exactly. Yes. Oh, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Now, okay. what it doesn't do is, let's say I'm a certified baseball official, and they ask me to work a charity softball game. I am not covered for that because it's softball, not baseball. Hmm. And those are two different games. Hmm. So, and I found that out within the last couple of years. And I'm I sure really, the rules are slightly different too. Oh, absolutely. But in the, in the eyes of the law, they are two games. So they do not, it's hmm. not covered via insurance. Interesting. So at, when I found that out, I said, I am no longer doing any sort of charity work for that. Not because I hate it, but because I'm not insured and I'm not going to put myself in jeopardy with that. Now, let me ask you this. Can major league umpires, I mean, like let's say major league umpires from the state of New Jersey most likely were before they became a major league umpire registered through. Yeah. They've, you know, they NJSIA. worked their way up the rank, so to right. speak. Yeah. Are they still a part of once they become a major league umpire, are they still a part of the NJSIA? No, you have to re-register every year. Okay. So you have to pay your dues and recertify every single year that you're working. Because I was thinking, wouldn't it be funny if, like, a, like let's say, a re- recently retired major league umpire started working high school games, high school games, or little league well, games? Well, remember, they now have because the connection that Major League Baseball has with Little League, you know, they have the Little League Classic every year mm-hmm. now in Williamsport, where they have a major league game out there. Mm-hmm. They have during the Little League World Series, during a couple of innings of one of the games, they send an MLB umpire out to work second base for a little bit as like a little publicity stunt. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. The first year they did it, it was um, Jerry Davis. Hmm. The second year, I think, was Chris Guccione. And I think last year was um, Alan Porter. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, there was a team from New Jersey in that game, and the coach came out to argue with Alan Porter. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And I think the coach, I think afterwards they were like, you you do realize you're arguing with a major league umpire, right? Uh, they probably got it right. So here's an idea. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. No. Unless you're going out there and you're just like, listen, I know you got that call right. I just want to put on a show. And I just want to say that I argued with a major exactly. league umpire. At which point, you know, at that point, I mean, he's probably like, get out of here. Man. I'm going to run you just for that. <laughs> you idiot. That's so funny. Yeah, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, I never thought about that. I mean, and the mechanics for kids... Do you think might be a little bit? Do you think it's it's different? It's it's like it's harder to see for you know when it comes to officiating kids versus adults. They are. Is there a, like a, a there, di- there's there's got to be a difference, yes, right? Yes, there is. Well, look at it this way: Is it more difficult? I think, in my opinion, as someone who is in my, in my view, as I switch on the Tim McCarver, <laughs> um, or the Jerome Boger, depending upon your sport. 
He's the uh, NFL ref who talk, <gasps> talked with Lith like oh. he'd like the mm-hmm. false start on the offense. I better be careful. I'll slip into Al Gore. <laughs> um, in my opinion, the extremes are the hardest ones. So obviously, the, the higher up you go towards Major League Baseball versus the lower you go towards like really, really little kids. Like Pee Wee League? Yeah. When you're in the middle, so anywhere from, I'm going to say, like 11 and 12-year-olds who are working or who are working on the 50-70 field, which is not the Little League field, which is the 46-60 field. It's that in-between field. Mm -hmm. That 50-70 level up through... I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna go because it varies on the on on the talent and the area mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I would say up through like the the upper echelon JV level of of high school baseball. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best level or the level that I enjoy working the most mm-hmm. because it's not as difficult as the real little kids. It's not as difficult as the really good kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a there there is a teaching element to it, so you are you're not there to help decide champions, you're there to help grow these young men and women as people, mm. you know, as 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 students of the game and of life. Mm. I find that so much more fulfilling than even stepping on a varsity baseball field sometimes. Mm. The difference is that with varsity baseball, once you do that, the pay increases. So obviously, there's a different incentive there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my money, uh, and the game is played much cleaner at that level. It right? can be. It can be, and that's why why I say that you know it depends on the, the the talent in the area and whatnot. I remember I have had I have had JV games that were light years better than varsity games that I've done. Mm. In terms of ability, in terms of ability, pace of play, crispness of the game, I like. I'll never forget. This is probably about God five, six, seven years ago, if not more. I did a JV baseball game. Steinert High School was hosting Ewing High School. Mm-hmm. The 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 pitcher for Steinert pitched a complete game, went extra innings. I think they won it. I think Steiner won it in eight. And I said to the head coach of, of Steiner, I said, "Why is this kid not pitching varsity? He's pitching a gem." And he said, "Because there are five other starters that are better than him at varsity, and this kid's really good, and he got the short end of the stick." Mm. And I was like, "Wow!" Because this kid, could, this kid could play varsity on more than half of the other high schools mm. in the area. And it was like a scoreless game go through seven. And I think Steiner ended up winning in like the bottom of the eighth or something like that. Hmm. And But that game was... You Were know, you behind the plate? I was behind the plate. That game was, in essence, better than some of the varsity games that I've done. And again, you know, your definition of what makes a game good can also vary, right. you know? Um like I've done games that I don't mind doing regardless of the level where one team's clobbering the other team, but it's because they put up two runs in this inning and two runs in the next mm-hmm. inning. And before you know it, you're out of there in, in an hour because it's a 10 run rule game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
neither team necessarily played that badly, but you know, the, the one team gave up two runs per inning for five straight innings. Right. You know, it was quick. It was easy. Yeah. Like, do you think like, do you think it's harder to officiate a poorly played game? Yes. And I say that because it's very easy to lose your focus. Now, I'm not saying I, I would prefer to be in a game where you have to be so uber-focused that if you, if you zone out, all of a sudden people are going to be on you because you missed a call or something like that. that that's something, in its, something different in itself, which I, which I also don't like. Mm. But when it's a poorly, offici- a poor, poorly played game where ball, 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 like a pitcher cannot find the strike zone at all, and you're just like dying Highway back hypnosis. there. Exactly. You're just like, mm. this is... There's there's no worse feeling than when a guy who's who's thrown ten balls in a row throws a pitch near the plate, not really a strike, and you have to decide: can I give it to him? And your 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 instinct tells you no because if this kid's like peppering the zone and that pitch it might be a little outside, but because he's got great control, you can grab it and call it a strike. Versus he's not even close. I can't even give him the pitches where he's starting to come close. You know, your mind mm. starts playing with you a little bit, mm. you know, um, you, you have to force yourself to come out of your strike zone like that. And what about for plays in the field? I mean, I mean, if you see enough errors, I mean, yeah. you have to call an error, right? You well, to- you don't, I mean, you're not scoring it. But I mean, the, the fact of the matter is that if a, if a infielder keeps booting the same ground ball, mm-hmm. you know, by the time he makes the play, the, the next play could be a whacker, mm-hmm. and you're—I don't—you know—you you might call him safe because the, the six kids before him have been safe, right? You know, and maybe he was really out, but you've been lulled into that sense mm, of that rhythm, complacency. Let's face it, umpires are human too. That's that's got to be difficult. It is. It like absolutely for, at is. a little league level or a peewee level to officiate must be really difficult. I have been a proponent for the longest time that officials are not needed at certain levels. I've worked I've worked little league games for seven and eight year olds sometimes, and I thought to myself, there is absolutely no need for me to be here. There is no there. There are enough rules in place that there's no reason it could, it could there, be on autopilot. Exactly. There no more than five runs per inning. You know, uh, the mm-hmm. pitch has to at least reach the the catcher on the plate for to be even considered a strike. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that where you're just like you're basically neutering me as an umpire. You know, you're t- you're telling you're taking my job away from me, and then you yell at me when I make a judgment call, and I'm like, well, what do you what do you want from me? Right. You know. What's worse is that in those games, sometimes you have a uh, like there's a no steal rule, so they'll they'll put a coach behind you against the backstop mm-hmm. because the catcher can't block anything, mm-hmm. you know. So the coach will be there to to field the ball that gets by him and just throw it back to the pitcher just to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. You know how many times that's happened to me where having that coach back there and then he starts arguing balls and strikes with me. And I, I, At a little league level. And I literally had to turn to him and say, am I going to have to throw a coach out of an eight-year-old game? I don't want to hear it. You are not here to argue balls and strikes. Your job right now is to catch balls back here and throw them back to the pitcher. I, and you know what's funny? <laughs> oh, my God. What's fun, I, that is so stupid. This guy, I can, I can picture this guy right now. His son 
last year his son was at the middle school mm-hmm. here, okay? And I had to work a couple of those games uh, as part of our training program for umpires. And his son was on the mound. And this guy, the same exact guy, was down the, the right field stands and was, was yelling at me. Really? And I just oh, wanted to be God. like, I, I literally said to the catcher, like, I know this guy. And he goes, we know him too. Nobody likes him. <laughs> really? This, this catch, like this catcher's like, a, like an eighth grader and he knows. I loved that kid. That kid was so funny. Oh my that was, gosh. That was great. I actually ran into him once. He was the guest of the kid who won the OSIP award. Oh, at the middle school, because when they do their luncheons, yeah. all the kids who win are allowed uh-huh. to bring one friend. Oh, cool! And so the kid on that team who won brought the catcher. Oh, that's great! And I said, "I know you." He's, you know, so we were chatting. And, oh, yeah, so fun. it was really good. It, it's in those little things that you make relationships, mm-hmm. and and I think you really go, it goes a long way that you get to leave a lasting imprint on mm-hmm. this kid's life because you as the official, as the authority figure, right. were able to, to to create a bond with them and say, I want to help you mm-hmm. through my job. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to be scared of me. I need you to work with me. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And that that's that's worth its weight in gold. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I think uh, I think we had a pretty good discussion. I think about this this is, this is great. Yeah. Very informative. It's crazy how we came into this with literally two small topics, very little uh, to talk about, and and, and history we're, on it. We're we're at like 50, 50 minutes, and we still can make a fifty minute episode out yeah. of this. So we still got good. it. We still got it. I, I got it. it! <laughs> you you are so George Costanza today. Oh, you know the way that you are. So. Uh, we'll we'll end on that since Festivus just just happened. I had my aluminum pole up. Yeah, I, I lost in the feats of strength. Uh, but once again, you can check us out online. Face, uh, I'm sorry, osipfoundation.org. The email address is podcast at osipfoundation.org. Facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. Please make sure that you tell your friends about us, that you share all of these posts, that you like us, subscribe, rate, review the whole nine yards get in touch with the show we'd love to hear from everybody thank you to everyone who has contacted us we love doing it keep Uh, doing it keep on keeping on you know we hope that you're enjoying this and um on behalf of sean and everyone at osip we hope that 2020 is uh, an absolutely fabulous year for all of our listeners and uh and, and that you help us you know grow the message of good sportsmanship in the next decade so uh sean thank you thank you and uh until later this month everybody make sure you treat each other with respect how you play the game is a production of the osip foundation incorporated the producer engineer of this episode is sean ryan music by soundspring studio the executive producer of how you play the game is jack furlong for more information visit osipfoundation.org.